It was dead when I found it. It knocked the garbage over and it got its head stuck in a jar. You weren't home, so I put it in there. I certainly didn't think you'd want to find it like that. I did not want to stink the place up. I was going to show you. You couldn't call or write a note. I was busy pushing bodies around, as you well know. And what would a note say, Dan? Cat dead, details later. Well, welcome back, everybody, to Take Me to Your Reader, discussing adapted science fiction at its best and worst. I'm Seth. I'm James. And I'm Colin. And we are continuing to try and pick up the rest of the titles in our science fiction anthology, Real Future, not Feature. Right. I said future. Um, and uh, <laughs> I put a poll up on Facebook, and you people voted on it, and Reanimator was the clear winner. And so we are talking about H.P. Lovecraft's Herbert West Reanimator, which was, is it's a short story kind of novella, but it was serialized in six parts in a magazine. I can't remember which one. You want to know? Sure. It's the amateur publication Home Brew. Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> All right. James is like, I like it. Yeah, I subscribe nice. to that. And uh, that that was that. I now like in... the reanimator. Very nice. <laughs> Stop interrupting me, though. <laughs> that started, I think, in 1921, something like that. Yes, and yeah. I think there were six or seven installments. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was adapted in 1985 into the film Reanimator, directed by Stuart Gordon, starring Jeffrey Combs and Bruce Abbott and Barbara Crampton. Yes, right. And it is a movie that we watched. We all agree on that. <laughs> we, we have we have completed we, we have ticked the box next to that title in in our book yeah now we can move on yeah so thank you so much for listening our Bye. next podcast will be covering <laughs> <laughs> uh so no previous experience for any of us with this one right yeah, i think i'd seen it in the video stores in my hometown of cottage grove yes uh but it was definitely not something that i was allowed to pick up and take home right yeah, so th- that's exactly what I was going to say, was I used to go, there was a video store at the top of my block, and, you know, I'd walk up there, you could walk up there in a couple minutes, and just wander around the video store, sometimes actually check something out, but most of the time, not, I mean, sorry, rent something. But in the top floor, like right next to the register, was where the horror section was. And I've always been a wuss about actually watching horror movies, but I loved looking at horror Movie covers. Like the covers? Or, yeah, yeah, movie like posters. Movie posters and stuff. Um, and so I just, it, it kind of gave me that morbid curiosity you know so i'd I'd like look at the cover of day of the dead and and that kind of stuff oh, and i remember yeah. reanimator being one that i picked up and looked at and i thought ooh, that looks freaky you know <laughs> um and i had a friend in uh, kind of he must have been in high school who had like a subscription to fangoria magazine wow and and i remember one time he brought and he brought one in and they had like a retrospective thing from a few years before on reanimator but yeah it's if we can't say anything else good about the movie, the movie cover, or the poster, is fantastic. This is pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is. Yeah, it is. Although he looks kind of more like uh, the guy that plays Scarecrow in Batman Begins. Oh, Killian Murphy? He looks more like Killian Murphy than Jeffrey Combs in that picture. Mm. True. Yeah, Yeah, I could see that. Would you like to see my mask? <laughs> That's one of my son's favorite lines from that movie. Just the way he kind of sighs and takes his glasses off. Um, yes, so... Uh, previous Lovecraft experience? Not very much. I mean, I'm aware of the Cthulhu mythos. Mm-hmm. Uh, not much beyond that. Although right. I did read uh, a short story written by, I'm totally blanking out. He's one of the writers for The Rabbit Room. Oh, excuse me. It's A.J. Peterson. Okay. And it uh, is in uh, Lovecraftian style. Ah, there's there's quite a bit of that that's gone around, actually, kind of Lovecraft-adjacent work. Mm-hmm. Um, recently, and I'll put a link in the show notes to um, Spectology, which he, my last guest on the Hugo's podcast was from that podcast, and they do 
it's like a book club and they do a pre-read and a post-read. And one of their recent ones was The Ballad of Black Tom, which is kind of a rewritten Lovecraft story without all the racism from the perspective of a black character. <laughs> oh, interesting. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so that's, that's something where I haven't, I, ha- I have the tour EPUB. Yeah. It was the free one a couple months ago. So I'm going to read that and then listen to their post read. And a long time ago, one of my work colleagues gave me a, a CD with audiobooks, HP Lovecraft audiobooks. And I listened to like the call of Cthulhu and the Dunwich horror and stuff. It's not really to my taste. Okay. Um, because of my, well-known wussiness about horror but, <laughs> but yeah it was it was i had no idea that reanimator was based on lovecraft neither did i so. but now that we have well at least not for the last several years i didn't know yeah before then i didn't now i do i've been educated i'd be curious to look over our list because i think this is one of the oldest things that we've done i think the only two older ones would be a christmas carol and frankenstein well this is before frankenstein right because we haven't mm-hmm. done any hg wells well at least the no, I guess it wouldn't be. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what yeah. you're talking about. Nope, I don't know. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, there are earlier works on <laughs> Go the back list. To sleep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so the story for this one, um, yeah, Herbert West, reanimator, right? Right. He is obsessed, right. kind of like Dr. Frankenstein was, with- Frankenstein. With not just pre- preventing death, but overcoming it, right? Yes, Frankenstein. Yes. <laughs> and so he develops this substance that he injects into dead bodies of various vintages and to try to- bring them back to life and there's horrifying consequences yes for almost everyone involved mm-hmm. yeah 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 so th- i think there are a couple other commonalities mm-hmm. uh he acquires an assistant true and i'm wondering if that's the actually the inception of igor from later, igor. Oh. later copies of frankenstein because uh, uh, igor is not native to the frankenstein story right as we've talked about in our previous podcast right yeah and uh herbert west is is eventually done in by one of his experiments one or more Yes. Depending yeah. on your adaptation. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, uh, what do we think of the story? I thought it was pretty decent Pulp Fiction <laughs> for a uh, serial magazine or whatever. So It was serialized in six parts. Right. And that's good and bad because the story, I think, is fun. It's interesting. Um, I like the fact that it kind of, each one ends on a stinger, you know, to get people to read the next one. Right. Right. But mm-hmm. then the first little bit of each one of the stories <laughs> recaps what's been happening in the previous ones in case somebody missed right. one, I guess. So, so when you, when you read them all at one time, you're like, uh, rep- yeah. repetition, repetition. Yeah, again. <laughs> it probably works better when you get them once per month. Yeah. Versus so. reading them serially. Right. Actually, what they did is they reinvented binge watching. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Only it was a slow binge. You know, you had to wait a month. <laughs> No, no. When no, you, no, no, when you, you wait put, for them to all come out. Yeah, oh, you gotcha. read them all. That's once. how you. That's how binge watching got invented. Right. Gotcha. Binge reading. Binge yes. reading. Yeah. I guess you were watching a piece of paper. So sure. Yeah. Back when I was your age, television was called books. <laughs> <laughs> um, I enjoy Lovecraft's prose. I think he's a good writer. Uh, yeah, he writes well. I like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, this sentence in the, the chapter about the, typhus when typhus came through. Uh huh. He says. It is by that satanic scourge that most recall the year, for truly terror brooded with bat wings over the piles of coffins in the tombs of Christchurch Cemetery. Ooh, bat wings. Yes. So that, that other part's also canonical. Is it? The bat wings. Yes. Uh, when we get to the movie, I will fill you in. Yes. Okay. Okay, good. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> sounds good. Uh, I mean, we don't have to dwell over long on the, on the short story. It, it, I found it entertaining. It, of course, has the problem that classic fiction does, especially classic science fiction, where you're like, 
there's not a lot of science in this science fiction about, Mm-mm. you know, an intravenous injection in a dead body is not going to really do a lot because there's no circulation. Right. That right, was my problem with the movie. It's only distributed <laughs> Well, it would have been my problem with the story now if I had uh, read it the other way. Watched it first. Sorry, what would yeah. you say, Colin? <laughs> uh, whatever you inject into the body is only distributed by pressure, not, right. not via circulation. Right. Or um, uh, diffusion and drift, but that's a mm-hmm. fairly slow process. Yeah. You, well, you inject it and then you pick the body up and shake it vigorously. <laughs> 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 like an Etch-A-Sketch. <laughs> Was that with or without ice? <laughs> Nice. It's like a dead teeny. Yes. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I mean, if it was a corpsicle already, then, you know, you don't need to add a lot of ice. But. Right. No. I, I almost found myself kind of rooting for them to find a fresh, a fresh enough dead body to see what would actually happen with it. Because mm-hmm. really what we saw, it was failure after failure after failure after failure. Well, there yes. was the one. Yeah, there was the one guy that he claimed had just died. Right. And really, he was not dead at all <laughs> because he had to smother him with a pillow first. <laughs> um, he had invented some kind of yeah. other elixir that he, he pumped into it that would preserve it as completely fresh, which really meant it just put the guy in a coma. <laughs> yes. Right. But yeah, he, not, a, not a character of high moral. Nor well, no, assistant. because he was actually dead, right? No, he wasn't. Not if he had to smother him with a pillow. <laughs> oh... <laughs> He was only the, mostly dead. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, mostly. I thought he just went with the pillow just to make sure he was dead. No, because remember, the, then they reanimate that guy, and he starts saying, "Get away from me!" Yeah, that, get that needle. That needle, right? Yeah, and that's when we find out he murdered him with some alkaline solution. Right, but but it didn't actually kill him because he still had to finish him off. Okay, at least I think that's what I the read story that differently is. than you did. Yeah. Well, what do you think he was doing with the pillow? I. I thought he had put the pillow on there just to make sure he was dead after the two weeks of already being, quote-unquote, embalmed. Hmm. Well, pres- preserved in suspended animation. Right. But at yeah, any rate, okay. no, no, no matter what, the, the proximate cause of this guy's right. death was Herbert West. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but the reanimation did end up only being temporary. Because he, he wakes up, says, get away from me that with that needle, you toe-headed whatever right <laughs> uh, little toehead fiend that's what it says <laughs> yes um and then then he dies again and and can't be revived it's not not like you know your typical cat where you can revive it at least nine times or at least twice <laughs> according to the movie <laughs> before it disappears in the that ether. was a sad cat yes <laughs> yes um uh there were a couple scenes in the book that I, that just made me smile just like i was delighted at at, at what he was describing like after he, well, what happens a couple times, right? Is he injects the, the solution, doesn't have enough patience to wait to see if anything happens. And then something happens when he's not really paying attention. In right. one case, he gets chased out of his place by, by the reanimated monster because right. it screams really loud. When they bring down the barn. Yeah. Yeah. And in, in another yeah, case, funny. they give up on the boxer and they bury him. And then he claws his way out of out of the grave and eats a small child yes um and the fact well, that maybe, maybe it is working the way colin was saying about the pressure just or the diffuse pressure it's just right. taking a really long time yeah. and they're not patient be. enough to figure it out depends on where the injection site is and, and wasn't there also a case where they injected somebody and revived him and they thought he was insane and put him in an insane asylum yes yeah but then he eventually no that's I, somebody else yeah i don't think he ever escaped it just said that he pounded his head against the padded cell for 16 years yeah so, no, he escaped in the end. He was in the party that killed him. Right, right. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, th- the other dude went and broke him out. Right. 
Which uh, tells you, you never reanimate somebody smarter or more tactical than yourself. Yeah. Right. Yep. That's what um, he gets for reanimating a legit military dude. Yeah. <laughs> of, of course, with Lovecraft, you have to deal with his casual racism, maybe perhaps beyond <laughs> yeah. casual racism in, in his case, because from what I understand, he was pretty racist. And some of, some of his descriptions as char- of, of characters are very well, problematic. Definitely the boxer. <laughs> yes, yeah. you're describing a black guy as as looking like he has four four legs instead of you know right. two arms and two Very, legs. And uh, pre- I'm fairly certain he did say simian in there somewhere. He called him a gorilla, yeah, and, and that is very problematic. Um, so yeah, you you do have to yeah. deal with some of that in Lovecraft, and that's right. why like the because he made Tom. it sound like also too that dealing with him as a black person was would chemically different than right. dealing with reanimating the white guys. As, as if race I'm makes like, a huge huh. difference. <laughs> you know, blood seems to transfer pretty well. It it sure does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, anywho, Lovecraft, problematic in, in a lot of ways. But right. other than that, I think it was a pretty enjoyable story. Mm-hmm. And it's it's relatively short. Yeah. I mean, he's he's going out and doing dis- well-described horrible things to corpses uh, and, and taking no responsibility for the consequences. Yes. Like, like we talked about, right? A lot mm-hmm. of people get reanimated as subhuman ghouls right and then kind of left to fend for themselves or attack whoever's around yeah well even even he goes to serve in the military in world war one just so he can prefer procure um bodies very fresh body parts not even just bodies but body parts right right? because he reanimates the head and the uh torso or the rest of the body yes of somebody and they're somehow connected which is interesting because that sort of comes in the movie i thought that was Mm -hmm. interesting because he didn't really reanimate the head. Well, it didn't seem like he reanimated the head right. specifically. He reanimated the torso mm-hmm. or the rest of the body. And the head just was yeah, animated. it was still connected in some right. way. <laughs> Even though it was not connected. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it was the reptilian yeah. telepathy. Yeah. So, I mean, it's... Yeah, exactly. I, I had forgotten about the, the chewed up reptile... Uh, reptile parts. ...cells and stuff. Yeah. That was like the solution that he put things into to preserve them. It was... It was just really weird. Oh, yeah. some yeah. exotic reptile yeah. or something, but... Yeah. <laughs> so weird. Yeah. Substituted for just, you know, blood with anticoagulant in it um, in the movie. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> um, I was really too in the, well, I guess we're not in the movie yet. Like, how the hell did the brain talk, though? <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, before heads, before we move on, though, I do want, I do want to mention that I, I spoke over a Facebook chat this morning with a guy named J.L. Giles, who's a uh, graphic novel artist, and he has put out a a first free chapter of Herbert West reanimator that he's doing all himself. He's doing his, his wife has been writing the script. He's been doing all the, all the penciling, the inking, the coloring, all of it. Wow. Cool. Um, yeah. And, and so he's going to try and crowdfund that. So he's been, he yeah, put out the neat. first chapter there to get people interested. And then, then he's probably going to kickstart the rest of it, but um, I'll drop in my interview with him at the end of this podcast. So, well, so let's talk a little bit about this because you know, I, I care about adaptational accuracy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, is he uh, adapting the novel or the movie? Novel. Novel. And uh, just based on the one chapter you've seen, is he staying faithful or is he being inventive? Um, he, well, he said in the interview that they're, they're probably changing like 5%. And, and the main yeah. thing that they're changing is they're making the narrator into a character in there. So he's a right. viewpoint character. And, and they've added the – he's added a reason for telling the story. Right. He's got somebody interviewing him. Yeah. Oh, kind of like Interview with the Vampire. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. a framing narrative. Or, or yeah. kind of like uh, Holmes and Watson. Mm-hmm. Right. So we actually have a real 
instigator for the story and and an actual narrator. Yeah, cool. And but reading reading the graphic novel, at least the first chapter, I guess, um, <laughs> made me realize that we didn't have a name for the narrator. In no, the, we didn't. In the short story, I, I didn't even think about it. Uh, at, as I was reading it. But then when I went to the graphic novel, I'm like, wait a minute, this wasn't the same name of the guy in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, that would have been a nice little homage, although, you know, using the same name as what was used in the movie might have exposed him to copyright infringement at that Could point. Be. Yeah. yeah. So inventing a, a, It's not even like you need to, that you can use a completely different person because there wasn't one to begin with in the first place. True. Yeah. Yeah. So, so anyhow. Was, it was, it was, that's what clicked for me on the lack of named narrator. Yeah. In the serial, though. Yeah. yeah. You know, I didn't even click to that until you mentioned it the other day to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, you're right. He doesn't have a name. Yeah. Do I care? Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, not, it's not necessary. I mean, he's your, your name right. narrator. Yeah. 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 I think Lovecraft might may have missed... There, there should have been a, another chapter hmm. here, right? Because they come and they get Herbert West. But but the narrator right. is just as culpable the whole time. Oh, right. He, he mentions that he had to talk to the police and that they didn't believe him about what happened to Herbert West because it's supernatural. Right, but uh, the Dead Legion, what Tomb was it? Legion, yeah, the Tomb yeah. Legion. They mm-hmm. came and got Herbert West. There's no reason they, they couldn't get have him, come yeah. after the narrator as well. That's true. True. Yeah, maybe they're just gonna come get oh, him. Oh, that's later. what I was thinking. I was thinking with the narrator's lack of name, it kind of relates to the reader and puts them in that position of being yes. that person, by being rather than naming the narrator and, at, to some degree, uh, estranging you from the, the story. Yeah. Yeah, right. it separating you from the story gives you some distance from it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Good point. Um, so like by that. not naming it, kind of just sucks you in and. You're all of a sudden the narrator. You're reading it. I did this. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> yes. I'm now an evil scientist. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which might have been what they wanted going for. So I don't know. Yeah, I'd be, I actually would be curious to see where he goes, like, given the very beginning of it, the first, like, page or whatever, when it looks like... Oh, right. With the, right? It was, it, was it the same girl? I, it looked like yes. it. Okay. When she was down there in the, like, the the tomb. Walking through the tomb naked. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah and, there's, and, there's... and then it switches over to... It's kind of like doing that kind of... Uh, uh, Pulp Fiction kind of thing where they swapping back and forth between right. time. Yeah, so and frames. and I talked to him about that in the interview. It's it's sort of like a, a setup for further Lovecraft stories mm-hmm. that where she's going to be a character that recurs. Right. Um, so you'll, you'll learn. Yeah, that's what it story. sounds like when you get to the very last page. Or right? talking about the adventures of Miss mm-hmm. Bennett. Or yeah. Anywho, uh, should we talk about the movie? Yeah. So do we have to? <laughs> yeah. I I was going to research all the all the history of. Graphic novel. Uh, how it was released and that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to talk about how, how the movie was released and, and you know how it went about getting ratings and that kind of stuff. Because I know at some point it was unrated. And then they got they went for an MPAA yeah. rating and got an X. Right. And had to cut it down <laughs> to R. And once they got that rating, they couldn't show the unrated version. And then in really? on home video, at first, I think they did just the R-rated one as well. Huh. So yeah, and and there there are actually a substantial number of other scenes that were shot that they used to to pad out the the R-rated version, where they <laughs> added in a whole subplot about the whatever the evil doctor um, Hill, yeah, about Hill and how he could hypnotize people, which was supposed to then explain how he could control all the corpses and stuff, and maybe how he could control his own body after it was detached from his head. Oh, instead of the laser drill. Yes, instead of the laser drill, or uh, yeah, as part of the laser drill, you know, that's that's part of the wiring, I guess. Um, wow, but uh, but yeah, that that stuff was removed for pacing issues, which the movie's kind of boring, I, I have to say. I'm gonna say what what pace? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and it it, it kind of muddies the waters between who the main character is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the main character right. almost seems like Dan. Yes, Dan is the main character. Whereas in the stories, it is very clearly Herbert West. Yeah. 
And to be honest, given Jeffrey Combs' performance there, I would have liked to see more Herbert West. You liked him. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's deliberately creepy right. and... Yeah, yeah, he's totally creepy. Yeah, I mean, he, he confronts his professors. And they definitely and did a good job with the personality and the, as the way he was described in the book. Yeah. And the movie. Yeah. It's like, this is, this, this is to a T. This is good. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> it does kind of sh- give a little more richness to the plot where there's what Herbert is doing and then there's, you know, Dan and his girlfriend mm-hmm. who's the dean's daughter mm-hmm. who's being perved after by dr hill yeah. <laughs> and so there's this great big you know relational mess which is going on and then over here in the corner literally in the corner right. is herbert west doing his evil you know undead experiment in on the cellar. cats in the cellar it's not evil he gave them life yes <laughs> <laughs> after taking it right no well, doubt yeah <laughs> um yeah jeffrey combs definitely gives it his all he he leans right into it. He takes everything with absolute sincerity, even breaking a pencil for whatever reason he's breaking a pencil. Oh, because he disagrees <laughs> right. with what Dr. Hill is saying about, uh, you know, brainstem death. Mm-hmm. Six, to six to 12 minutes. Yes. I thought it was interesting how adversarial they were from the jump. Oh, that has to be directorial. Yeah. I guess he already knew something about him. Um, but yeah, he's not shy about telling other people that they're stupid. West. Yeah. Yeah, well, egocentric. You know, so do we want to do we want to give overall thoughts on the movie, or do we want to to uh, wait on that? We can talk more about the movie until we rank him, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, you know, I'm always a sucker for a cat having terrible things done to it in movies. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, poor Rufus. <laughs> what kind of a name is Rufus for a cat? <laughs> I, I do love, though, that the, well, do you agree it's dead now? You know, he picks it up and drops it. <laughs> yeah. And we should be honest. It's it's billed as a horror comedy. Yes. It's just, I I did not get a lot of comedy out of it, except from the cat dropping and right. a few few other minor points. Yeah. I, I laughed out loud quite a few times, just, just because that's what comedic levels of gore will do, right? That's true. And there's definitely a bit of that. Yeah. Um, because there's there's the kind of stinger scene right at the beginning, which which was a reshoot. Um, where, where with, oh, really? uh, with Dr. Hans Gruber, no relation. <laughs> he might've been freshly dead. True. From San Francisco. Falling off Nakatomi <laughs> Plaza. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they, they I, so I watched the Los reanimator Angeles. resurgence. Oh, yeah. Los Angeles. My bad. San Francisco. We can't let it slide. I was going to back in. Yeah. Yeah. So blasphemy <laughs> against Die Hard. <laughs> exactly. I'm ashamed. <laughs> the, the holy writ. Um, the, the second DVD in the DVD set was Reanimator Re Resurrectus, I think, which was a seventy-minute uh, kind of featurette, all all about it and about the development of the effects and everything. Because it's a pretty oh, wow. low-budget movie; it was nine hundred thousand uh, dollars budget for the movie, made two wow. million, so a well, modest success. Nice. Yeah, um, but it uh, kind of became a cult classic at some point. But they they talked about a lot of the effects, and they you know it was all on the cheap, right. um, and so they talked about putting these little bladders over the guys. He had a, a face mask on. And so they, they were able to just pump it up until they burst. <laughs> <laughs> you can see that you can probably think of the special effects guys going, <laughs> I don't know if this is going to work. <laughs> yeah. That would be pretty fun though. Be, did, yeah. It'd be a special effects guy for practical effects like that. Oh yeah. Are you good? I'm good. Okay. <laughs> so, but of course, you know, for me watching a featurette like that, it always makes me feel a little better about the movie. Uh, that I've watched just because you, right. you you get a look at some of the craftsmanship behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, even if the movie is lackluster, it makes you go, okay, well, you know, people were really going for something here. And it was, it was Stuart Gordon's first movie that he directed. 
Wow. So, oh, wow. and is the thing is, the thing is pretty well liked. 78% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Roger Ebert gave it three stars. That's amazing. Yeah. I cannot understand. Huh. I, I like, and it won a Critics Award at uh, Cannes for, for fantasy, sci-fi, and horror when it was premiered. Um, and that was the unrated version. No kidding. So, so now I don't want to see the unrated At the end of Roger Ebert's <laughs> review, he says, by the end of the film, we are keenly aware that nothing of consequence has happened. But so what? We've been assaulted by a lurid imagination, amazed by unspeakable sights, blindsided by the movie's curiously dry sense of humor. I guess that's our money's worth. <laughs> so it's it's kind of damning with faint praise in a way. But he gave it three out of four stars. So so it's it's huh. crappy, but it does it well. Yeah. I mean, Roger was always that way, right? He 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 always judged a movie at what it was trying to do, not not against some other objective standard. So, of course, it's his guess at what it's trying to do. Yeah. Sometimes right. movies are very upfront with, here's what we're trying to do. We're going to shove a bunch of blood and naked parts <laughs> onto the screen. Right. And if you like that kind of thing, you like it. Death Race 2000. True. Although that one definitely had more comedy than this one did. Yes, it did. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You guys want to talk about anything? No. What, what did you think of the movie, James? Uh, I liked it in the beginning. I enjoyed the, like I said, Coombs' performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, it, yeah, it got it tapered off after that. <laughs> and then, I don't know. It, I think I'm pretty sure I fell asleep at some point. Really? <laughs> <laughs> it did seem like it was longer than its running time to me. Yeah, it, it felt like it kind of dragged yeah. on. Like you, like you said earlier, it kind of suffers from pacing problems. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. For the most part, I, I did kind of enjoy it, but mm-hmm. in, in the sense of enjoying a bad movie. There, there are so bad movies that I... you enjoy it in the way that you like in your blood drawn. <laughs> <laughs> he likes having his blood drawn, I'll have you know. I've, 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 what have I given? Eight gallons? Something like that? Nine? But, um, yeah, no, I mean, yeah. it was... It's a... I would characterize it as a bad movie, but mm-hmm. but one that at least has some entertainment value. A good bad movie? <laughs> I mean, it is it is a little boring, so it's not one that I would be like, I, I want to go watch right. that one again because it's not like I had so much fun with it that that it's necessarily rewatchable yeah. for me. Although I could rewatch some of those some of the scenes with with all the Wayne with the monsters, so <laughs> yeah, like like when when the, when the big muscular guy reanimates right and just wreaks havoc. Oh, and, and kills right. Hill. He, yeah, he yeah. was a body double for Arnold Schwarzenegger in the Terminator. Whoa, in a couple oh, really? places. Yeah, oh, that's neat. so that's impressive. Yep. So yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, there, you you can redeem some of what goes on by adding other knowledge, which says, "Oh, here's this mm-hmm. this other person yeah. did something really good," as opposed to this. And so right, <laughs> right. <laughs> there we go. Um, Colin, not a fan. I, I'm not a fan on multiple dimensions. <laughs> okay, why don't, why don't you go through those? <laughs> okay. So first of all, uh, like I mentioned earlier, I, I think that adding the Adding Igor in as a secondary character and promoting him in front of Herbert West, I think that was a mistake. Hmm. It maybe it, it, it gives more diversity of plot line because now there's like sub- plots and subplots happening. Mm-hmm. But uh, the story is really about Herbert West and his his attempts to reanimate dead and what he does to to get there. Right, they were right. just trying to get naked chicks in the movie. Yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I object to Can't the rape scene. That. It, yes, I have been trying to you know, since we watched it. I'd like. You know, I'm not Ugh. a big fan of, of sexuality in movies. I'm very conservative. But it's the rape scene, I think, which really bothers mm-hmm. me most of all. Well, and just in case anybody's wondering, this movie is not for kids. No, um, right. They're, they're, it may not be for you either. Yeah. <laughs> you listeners, you don't have to watch this movie. Yeah. There's a lot of nudity in it, both male and female. 
Yeah. Um, some of it very unglamorous because they're corpses. Right. Um, <laughs> the director of photography was this German guy. And on the, on the, uh, the documentary, somebody w- was talking about how he was kind of shaking his head and like, what's wrong? <laughs> he says, it's the Viennese. <laughs> I can't get I can't get the Vinis out of the frame, you know, <laughs> because they were they didn't male frontal nudity was what would get you an X. There was for, a lot of male part. frontal. We, maybe we saw the X version then. Well, we saw the unrated version. Okay. Um. And huh. and yeah. So so they just they had a really hard time in some of the, because they've just got people in some zombie makeup thrashing around and and there's there's some Vinis. <laughs> Vinis. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there is also That's female awesome. nudity of various kinds. Um, and, you know, mostly unnecessary, I think you would argue. Right. Well, I mean, the, the, in the beginning scene where uh, Dan and Dan and Meg uh, are being intimate and she gets up to leave because mm-hmm. she has to get home before her dad figures out that they're having sex together. Yeah. Which would cause him to lose his appointment at the university. Right. Yeah. Which, Although right. I did like the match cut on that one where where he, he starts kissing her at, at the school and she's saying, no, no, no. And then it immediately cuts to, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I thought that was funny, but. Yeah. Yeah, the rape scene is, I mean, it's one of the famous scenes in horror movies, right? With a disembodied head trying to have its way with a woman, which uh, I'm not sure how that works exactly. Whoa. But, um, right. The effects are interesting. It was fun watching on the documentary how they actually accomplished the disembodied head in the in the, in the pan and stuff. And, really? Um, yeah. That was cool. Oh, so to bring it back around, because we brought up the disembodied head. Mm-hmm. So Dr. Hill is the guy that gets uh, decapitated. Right. And uh, Herbert, for reasons unbeknownst to anyone, reanimates both the body and the head. Right. Independently. <laughs> and and they're, they're like supernaturally linked to one another. Mm-hmm. Okay. So right. flash forward one it's, movie. It's zombie Bluetooth. Yeah. <laughs> In the next movie, Dr. Hill convinces somebody to sew a set of bat wings onto his head so it can be uh, uh, mobile without being carried around. Are you serious? Yes. What? No way. Yes. Dang. I wait, read the Wikipedia entries. Wait, Dr. Head, Dr. Hill's head got squished and thrown against a wall. <laughs> Not squished enough. <laughs> but that's okay. Herbert West got strangled by somebody's intestines right. in the poison smoke gas, but he shows up in movie two as well. <laughs> okay. He does? He does. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Wow. When you sign a three-movie contract, it doesn't matter if your character gets killed or not. Right. Yes. <laughs> the uh, From the documentary, one thing I think that you would find interesting is it was originally, they conceived it as a series. They wanted to adapt it as a serial the way it was in the original written form, and they wanted to do a very yeah. literal adaptation of it oh. set in period. Yeah. Um, that would have been interesting. And took it to PBS and said, hey, we want to do six, one-half-hour things. And they're like, yeah, we don't want to do one-half-hour. Now, I don't know how they would have dealt with the amount of gore and that kind of stuff. I think that must have been a decision that came in later. Um, because you would Probably. have to tone that, do- tone, that, tone that down a bit for PBS. For telly, yeah. So then they then they combined the first two stories and and kind of padded it out to an hour. But they just they weren't ever able to get that to, hmm. to fly. And so then they decided, okay, let's go feature length and let's make it super gory and sexy, as they put it. Um <laughs> I didn't like the. Uh, I was trying. To, I was writing down things, funny things that were were said, um, but and you said something, Colin. I can't remember what it was, but there was. Uh, I, I got off one good one when um, the big muscular guy start is doing all his stuff, and West grabs the bone saw and ends up pushing it all the way through him from the back. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> the bone saw which only cuts sideways, and he pushes it right. through end first. <laughs> and I said, "This is not a drill," <laughs> which had a double meaning. 
I did like the fact that Dr. Hill put a head on his body that was from, from like from one of his models in his office. Oh yeah. Um, that was right out of the book. Yeah. There um, were several really uh, canonical uh, dialogues mm-hmm. and individual events. Yeah. And the, here's the thing I thought was weird. The movie is supposed to be episodes uh, one, two, three, and four of the novel. And f- the second movie is five and six. Oh, okay. And yet here you have a direct uh, series of events where the guy that he kills, kind of his superior, mm-hmm. comes back because he wants revenge on him right. to kill him. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that in a lot of ways, if you look at it in terms of uh, how close it is to the source, it's quite c- close in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, it modernized it because – like I said, set dressing and that kind of stuff, those considerations increase a budget, right? So it's easier to just set something in modern times, kind of like with Travelers, right? Where like, you can, we, we have this mid-budget science fiction show that's set in the present. And so we don't have to make anything look futuristic. Sure. Yeah. Although think about uh, Sanctuary by Amanda so. Tapping, hmm. which was done on, which was done as a web series and then re-released on the Sci-Fi Channel. So it was done full CGI, hmm. no scenery. Wow. You're always acting really? on a green screen in Whoa. period costumes and doing other kinds of things because oh, wow. it hops around. Hmm. Huh. And it's not bad. Oh. Now, I, don't, I haven't watched it for 10 years yeah. since you know, it went off air, but I remember enjoying it really well. And I thought the, the movie or the series was really kind of captivating. Hmm. Huh. I liked it. Yeah. So, like, if you're going to do that now, right? But if they had tried to do that in 1985. Oh, no. Would yeah. never have worked. Yeah. But And so nowadays, you wouldn't take this to PBS. You would take it to... Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, yeah. Amazon, right? All these, uh, you know, I'll call them tier two content providers who mm-hmm. are quickly becoming tier one right. content providers. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand why the independent studios would continue to work through the television stations because right. you can <laughs> remove one of the middlemen. Mm-hmm. Right. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the other thing that I thought was read out of the story was, was um, Meg's dad. In the asylum, in the padded cell. It was right yes. out of there, you know. That was right he wasn't there. there for 16 years, but... So, when we when we covered Rollerball, I remember ranting about all the different ways that Rollerball, the remake, could have been good, but did not do, right? It could have been entertaining, right? Because that was that was the biggest problem with that movie, right. was there was zero entertainment value to it. You couldn't even really just laugh at how bad it was, because it was that bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, where this one, I felt like there was some definitely some unintentional comedy, but I was mostly entertained... Other than when I was a little bored. So it's kind of a tepid, <laughs> sort of liked it from me, but, you know, I'm not super enthused about it. That's what she said? <laughs> well, yeah, it, it kind of strikes me as if you went out to an incredible <laughs> steak dinner mm-hmm. and you're uh. you're eating your steak and your baked potato and all the sides and you cut into the steak and this big pus pocket erupts. Jesus. Now, what you've done is you've destroyed all the other experience because of that one thing. Yeah. And that's that's what the, the rape scene does for me. Yeah, yeah. And that's the most famous scene from, from the movie. That's the one that people talk about. Right. Which makes sense. I mean, yeah. decapitated heads are not big on consent. No. So. <laughs> or, or dead people in general. Right. Yeah. Although I, I will give Dr. West, you know, a, a double thumbs up for the whole overdose. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well and i like the way the movie ended right with with the meg expiring on the table because she had lost the will to live um sorry that was a star wars episode three right yeah um and then him going for the needle and then i like the fade out where the the last thing you see is the glowing needle which was it was a uh, glow stick juice nice. oh is that what it was yep. yeah so uh, i'm trying to think anything anything else anybody wants to to cover not really 
Uh, I wrote at the end of my notes on it. Wow, that was a thing we watched. <laughs> uh, what was the M rating on it? Did she not pay enough attention? I don't think so. <laughs> she, was, she was sort of in the room. Yeah. I think it was, this is horror. She's not interested. Right. Yeah. I mean, I well, so here's the thing, though, on that, right? I'm a wuss. I don't like horror. There's not a moment of of creep yeah. factor in this movie. Right. It's not, it's not real no. horror. It, well, it's, yeah. it's it's gore horror. It's not the psychological right, right. horror like yeah. uh, Haunting at Hill House. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of schlocky horror. Mm-hmm. I'll yeah. put a link in the show notes. The uh, the Red Letter Media guys did a review of it a while back. It's actually called Re colon View, um, where, where they go back and rewatch something, usually a <laughs> horror movie, and talk about it. But um, And they liked it better than we did, so... That's okay. Other but they're big fans opinions. of horror, too. So Yeah. Uh, do we want to rank them? It's pretty rank. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, James? Yeah, the obvious. <laughs> Story movie? Yeah. Okay. Come on now. Story movie for me, too. Uh, I would buck the trend, but I cannot in, in, in good <laughs> yeah. conscience. Because I, I enjoyed the story. I thought it was fun to read. And the, the movie, I thought it was relatively I would even put the graphic novel as number two. But, and we're not ranking that. Colin right. said the movie was a number two. But... <laughs> Touche. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's that. Uh, we're unanimous. Book yeah. movie on yeah. this one. Um, check, check it off. Yep. Check. And yeah, so we, we, we're, we're clear of that one. We have, we have covered that. <laughs> we didn't save it for last. So we'll move on to another real future title at some point next year. Yes. Before then, though, for Christmas, we're going to do It's a Wonderful Life, which is based on The Greatest Gift. Um, and then in January, we'll probably get back to one of these. In February, we might get, go back to The Thing. Right? Frozen Hell. Porky. If it comes oh, out. Oh, right. Right. Because so, Colin and I both back to Kickstarter. Right, you go ahead. Yeah. So I follow a lot of sci-fi news channels trying to find new adaptations and old adaptations. Mm-hmm. I know that out there in the world, there are probably dozens of short adaptations like I Remember the Future. Right. That we just don't come across right. because we don't go to sci-fi conventions and we're not in the biz. Right? Um, I heard that the... Maybe we should. The, the, <laughs> not Campbell. Yeah. John Campbell? Campbell. Yeah. The, the, oh. the Campbell story, <laughs> who goes there, was actually reduced, is a reduction of a previous story, which had, which has just been found. And mm-hmm. so they're kickstarting the release of it in several different formats. And it's going like gangbusters. I think it's over a yeah. hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars now with an initial goal of only 10 K. So yep. it's, it's really taken off. Yep. You can get, yeah. uh, Custom leather, custom leather bound numbered editions. You can mm-hmm. get EPUBs. Uh, for oh. every two or three thousand, they found an author that would be willing to kick in a short story mm-hmm. set in the thing universe. Right. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, cool. that's going to be delivered to us in uh, in February. So we might take a side adaptation yeah. and then look at uh, how things boil down from there. Mm-hmm. Things. I like what you did there. <laughs> um, I don't think we're going to revisit all of the thing. Just we're going to talk about Frozen Hell, right? That's that's the idea. Yeah, and it, it might be, you know, one of our shorter episodes. We haven't right. done a Pavement Pounders picks yeah. or other ones for a while. I I, I kind of want to rewatch the thing. My son's never seen it, so I kind of want to rewatch it. Because that's one of those episodes where, like, we didn't plug in the which mixer one? or something. The thing. No, which one? No. <laughs> the right one. Yes. Um, the, the Carpenter one. The Carpenter one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> With I mean, Kurt Russell. I liked all of those movies, actually, that we, when, when we covered it on that. And if you want to go back and listen to it, you can, but it's just recorded through James's laptop microphone. Um, <laughs> was so, that that one? Yeah, that was that one. And, yeah. and Jurassic Park. Those are the yeah, two. Like, right. two, two of, like, yeah. <laughs> classic science fiction movies. 
well, that make top 100 lists, right. and we screwed up the recording on those. <laughs> well, with our new recording setup that we haven't listened to yet, we might have done it again. Woohoo! Yeah. So, at some point, I mean, we, we will continue plowing through real future mm-hmm. for the foreseeable future with occasional digressions to do stuff like It's a Wonderful Life for Christmas and Frozen Hell whenever we get that. Yeah. So, so is Frozen Hell going to be like a short movie or something? No, no, no. no. It's just a book. It's Yeah, it's the, oh, the original okay. work re-released. So it's an expansion of mm. who goes there. Okay. All right. I got you. So, okay. I mean, there's the potential that the stuff that was cut out should have been cut out. Yeah. You know, for pacing. It, it may, maybe it doesn't work as well, may, but maybe it's all character development too, which yeah. would be cool. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll have to see on that one. Cool. Yeah. All right. I can sign us off. Bless right. us and sign us off. Yes, I will do that. And don't forget to stick around at the end, probably past the blooper reel if there's a blooper reel, which there is. Um <laughs> for the interview with J.L. Giles. Uh, But until next time, we will sign off with uh, Pavement Pounder's blessing. May the road rise up to meet you, and may you not inject things with glowy stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And we are continuing to... Backwards rotation this time. (laughs) What? How was that? Because it went this way instead of that way. That's true. Yeah. I'm sitting in the wrong chair today. Everybody needed to know that. All right. How do we do this? I'm in the wrong chair, guys. I I don't know how to do it from this yeah. chair. I'll, I'll show you how not to do it. <laughs> Good afternoon, and welcome to Take Me to Your Reader, where we talk about pangalactic gargle juice and adapted science fiction at its very best and worst in Oregon. Dude, pass me that blunt. We're totally using that one. <laughs> I mean, it's at least going in the blooper reel. <laughs> <laughs> we should just record it as board the plate. Yes, I think so. Yeah. All right. For real. This time it's for real. Let's try. Let, 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 let's go again. Right. <laughs> Why don't you do it this time? Okay. Well, I'm pleased to be joined by J.L. Giles, connecting with me from Spain. So I really appreciate that. So thank you so much for doing this. Hi, Seth. Thank you for, thank you for inviting me to your podcast. Yeah, no problem. And I had uh, found you on Twitter, I think. And found that you had a free chapter of a new Lovecraft comic available, or graphic novel available. Um, so why don't you talk about yourself a little bit, and then we'll talk a little bit about that work as well. Sure. Um, well, I'm a comic book artist, and I've been working for different publishers um, for the last seven or eight years, and uh, working for small publishers and. Eventually, I got hired by Marvel Comics to do some some work for Marvel Custom Solutions, which is like an advertising agency they have. And it was a project for Gillette. Hmm. Um, <laughs> yes, we were making um, Avengers stories for Gillette. And since then, I've been working for them mostly on Avengers stories, The Hulk, Nova, Black Panther, and... Right now, I am also working for Pixel Elixir, which is a company that um, makes uh, enamel pins. And I've been designing different uh, monsters and uh, horror characters for them. That's what I've been doing recently. And of course, my adaptation on Lovecraft Herbert West. Awesome. Well, it uh, just kind of chatting with you. It sounds like you have a background in fine arts and you've been you've been drawing since you were just a small child. <laughs> yes. I've been I've been drawing since I was like 4 or 5 years old. Um, nice. like drawing robots, monsters and Spider-Man, the Flash. 
Uh, I spent hours and hours drawing when I was a kid. And when I was 13 or 14 years old, I already knew what I wanted to do when I was an adult. I wanted right. to be a comic book artist. <laughs> uh, yes. And But when I graduated high school, you know, I had to choose uh, what to do, what career I would follow. And I didn't have money to go to New York to study like at the Joe Kubert School of Art. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I have to study here. And I chose fine arts. I started to uh, learn how to paint, which was very important for me. And um, eventually I decided I wanted to be a, an art teacher, mm-hmm. but in a college level professor, you know. So I continued studying. I studied um, an MBA, a master's degree in, in fine arts. I went to Mexico and mm-hmm. I did it there. Uh-huh. And I started then working as a college professor. And then uh, I moved to Spain to continue with a doctorate degree. Okay. At this time, I, I had it very clear in my mind that I that my career was an art professor. You know, my, my future was mm-hmm. there. Right. But when I was uh, about to finish the doctorate, I, I started to uh, get tired of it. <laughs> sure. yeah, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was like... Uh, I, I would. I remember. I would walk around the streets in in Valencia, in Spain, and I would always get uh, go to the comic book shops. <laughs> and I was like, man, I want. I, I wish I could go back to comics, but I was not. Oh no, this is impossible. You know, this is too yeah. difficult. I would compare myself to Jim Lee, and what the big guys were doing. I was like, okay, this is this is just too much. I, but um, I will always uh, feel the same thing. You know, like. Oh, I wish I could draw comics again. And so one day I I took that decision and I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. <laughs> and and that's when I started training. I started training for to, you know, to be able to manage the the storytelling, the the inking and also the coloring. Mm-hmm. And I then um I changed my <laughs> my future, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, no more painting, no more art classes, no more college, just uh, me in the basement <laughs> drawing comics. <laughs> yeah, which it's interesting when you uh, when you kind of look at that as a parallel to uh, Herbert West in the basement doing other things. Right? <laughs> yeah, oh, I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> yes, yeah. mad scientist of comics. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I have many friends, colleagues that are art comic book artist and they also are a bit like hermits in the basement you know mm-hmm. like they <laughs> spending like 12 to 14 hours every day drawing and inking you know mm-hmm. that's that's how it is you know uh, yeah every day sure <laughs> so now do you have a special connection to lovecraft well i i love the the horror in general you know okay uh, my wife is a longtime fan of Lovecraft. Okay. And yes, and um, we got this idea to do the Reanimator um, adaptation because as a freelancer, sometimes you have a lot of free time. Mm-hmm. Freelancers sometimes I felt too much free time, and um, sometimes you have to like wait for the clients to call, and you have to find something to do with that free time, and. I was thinking, why don't we do a Lovecraft story? Because um, 
I've always li liked his stories, but my wife was a, a real, she's a, a real, real fan of Lovecraft. Mm -hmm. And I asked her, uh, please help me. <laughs> what story do you think we could, we could uh, make? Mm -hmm. And like three days later, she comes with the, the script of, for chapter one without me asking her anything. You know, oh, I nice. was, yeah, she wrote the whole thing, the chapter one script. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, I wasn't expecting this. Mm -hmm. uh, she, and she, she works in, in, a, in a clinical lab. Mm. So she likes all this world of you know, flasks and laboratories and all yes. that. So she was very excited writing it. And that's why we decided to, you know, to try it with the reanimator. Nice. So let's talk about the, that actual project itself and how people can find it and, and support it and, and kind of what your process is. Okay. Before doing the whole thing, uh, we wanted to make sure that the project had an audience mm -hmm. and there was, a, you know, that the, the, the project has demand. So before doing the, the whole story, we first wanted to test the market, you see. And so we only did the first chapter. Right to and 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 allow people to download it for free so they can tell us if they like it or not and mm -hmm. if they would like to see the whole project finished and so um we worked really hard on on that first chapter i did the whole thing the whole visuals sorry because my my wife also helped me with uh with the script mm -hmm. and we we finished it like a couple of months ago and we upload it to a platform called Gumroad, mm -hmm. where people can uh, download it, and and that that's where it is right now. We're promoting it the 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 preview, the preview of chapter one, mm -hmm. and we if if we get if we if we get enough good responses, then we'll go move forward with the rest of the of the story. Right now we're working on on chapter two. Um, mm -hmm. We think the, the the response has been good, so we expect to have chapter two ready in a month or two months, and probably we're gonna um, launch a Kickstarter or an Indiegogo campaign next year, early next year, maybe February February or March, nice. to crowdfund the the project. Yes, cool. That's the idea we have. <laughs> So can you tell me, so looking at the, at the comic right now, at the very beginning, there's this sort of, um, sepia toned, um, you know, kind of black and white introduction mm -hmm. that seems to me that it's more kind of general Lovecraftian and not necessarily specific to uh, the reanimator. Um, mm -hmm. can you tell me yes. kind of where that came from? Is that, is that from your wife since she's the fan of Lovecraft? Um, the, the, the idea we have is to, um, to tell many Lovecraft stories. So we created like a frame story um, mm. that will interconnect with um, other Lovecraft stories. Okay. That part, the intro that you see there, is related to this uh, frame story. And we still don't know if it's past, present, or future. Okay. Okay? We don't want to tell yet. Gotcha. But uh, it's going to be very important. And it's related with the character you see later, uh, Eleanor Bennett, and eventually we will uh, explain what that means. Okay. The the intro. <laughs> All right. Well, that gives me something to look forward to. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have uh, we have a long story to tell with that uh, character, Eleanor Bennett, and she's she will serve as a, like a it's a way uh, it's like an excuse to tell Lovecraft story. We yeah. uh, the 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 spotlight will be always in Lovecraft. We we are being very loyal to the source. You know, we're changing yes. probably five percent like details, but in general, we we are being very uh, faithful mm-hmm. to the original and if people like this then we will make a volume two with other stories um so have you seen reanimator the movie i saw it a long long time ago and i don't i don't want to watch it now because i don't want to i don't want it to influence me <laughs> sure okay yeah but yes i saw it when i was probably 10 or 11 years old and i liked oh it very goodness. much <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A long time ago, maybe in the in the early nineties, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's one of the nice things about um, about the comic is that it can adapt it in the same period, where whereas in the movie they modernized it, you know, kind of set it into the eighties. So yes, if if somebody yes, wants something that's yes. if if people want something that's uh, closer to the source, this this graphic novel is going to be a good choice for them. I think. I remember the the movie um, had his assistant with uh, his girlfriend or something the girlfriend's mm-hmm. the girlfriend of his assistant that's the idea that i remember <laughs> yes. in the in in our adaptation you, you know that in the in the original the the narrator is herbert west assistant but he's like an anonymous figure he's he's just right. like an, a witness and of mm-hmm. course he's um he's accomplice mm-hmm of of everything that Herbert West does, but in general, he's like an invisible person. Mm-hmm. He's there, but in our adaptation, we are um, trying to give him more of a personality. Right. You yeah, know? that makes sense. We want, yeah, and because uh, person, because he was uh, responsible to a certain extent to for all the the things that Herbert West did, but we want to give it like a little backstory some of a backstory to this this uh, character and explain why he did the things he did why mm-hmm. he uh in, um kept on uh helping herbert west when he knew herbert west was crazy and doing like you know evil things <laughs> right. so right. we want to give a little bit of a backstory there to explain why why he he stayed there instead of going away and that's that, that's what we we will find as, um, with the conversation this person is having with Eleanor Bennett, you know. And we will and we will see that Eleanor Bennett is not there only for an interview. She has also a backstory, you know, the real reasons behind her going for that in to that interview, mm-hmm. you know. That's gonna be revealed later. <laughs> Ooh, I like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. Well. We can go ahead and wind down here a little bit, and you can just let people know how they can support you, or how, how they can find the project, how they can support it. Okay. Um, if you want to check the chapter one of Herbert West Reanimator, you can download the whole the whole chapter one for free at gumroad.com slash jlgiles. Okay? You don't have to pay anything. Where there's like a blank space where you put... Um, if you want to pay for it, but you 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 don't ha- you don't have to put any number, just zero, and you can download it. That's like 
what we would like you to do <laughs> to check it out and to give us your feedback. You know, right now we're not thinking about selling or getting any money. We just want to hear the the opinions, the opinions from the from the readers. Okay. And if you want to check more of my of my work, Marvel work and other comic book stuff I do, you can check my Twitter account, which is um, uh, JL Giles. That's it. Yeah. Uh, that's my that's my account on Twitter. Yes, JL Giles or JL Giles uh, Lovecraft Comics. Okay, I'm constantly um, uploading uh, the stuff I'm I'm working on and old stuff, and I also have a Patreon account um, that I started like a month ago. So you can check it. You can support me there. You get early access to my to my work. I also give critiques for art um people that are starting in the art thing hmm. i give critiques to them um oh, so you get to use your your art teacher background yes yeah sure yeah yeah, yeah. i want to help people and so there are three different levels of uh, tiers and you can for one dollar you can you can help me every month um and help me keep on doing this Patreon, um, the URL is um, patreon.com slash jlgiles. Nice. <laughs> Perfect. Um, any other projects that you want to talk about? Well, right now, um, I'm working for Marvel projects for the custom solutions team. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just finished uh, the New York Jets celebrated this year the 50th anniversary of them winning the Super Bowl. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, so so that's the most recent Marvel project I did. Uh, it's a celebration, uh, huh. an anniversary comic, mm-hmm. and well, for Herbert West, uh, the pins I am working for Pixel Elixir. Elixir is Pixel Elixir is a company that makes these enamel pins, mm-hmm. and I'm also helping um, uh, a friend of mine who is a. Uh, an indie comic book uh, writer called Gilbert Deltres. He has um, an Indiegogo right now called uh, Lair, and he's following that up with uh, an, an indie comic called Pistolera. I'll, mm. I think I'll be coloring that. Oh, cool. That, yes. This, this would be the first colors-only book I, I do, you know? Okay. And I think that's it. <laughs> I'm always busy. You know, I'm really busy right now. And yeah. that's good. Yeah, that's, that's what we want. Well, yeah, and I definitely hope some of our listeners will, will check it out and download it and um, maybe support you on Patreon or when you get the Kickstarter going. Um, I think I already retweeted out from our podcast uh, Twitter the the download link. So, oh, thank you uh, so much. Thank yeah, you so yeah. much. And I, I may have done it from my personal Twitter as well. Um, but uh, I'll make sure to do that. And I really want to thank you for connecting with me. Um, I, it's always tricky to um, to connect between the U.S. and Europe. Yeah, nine hours. <laughs> yep. Nine hours of difference. Well, Seth, thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah. And thank you for sharing my, my Gumroad links. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks so much for chatting with me. And I'll talk to you down the line. Bye. Thanks, Seth.